Welcome to Probably Science. I'm your host, one of three. I'm mm-hmm. Jesse Case. I'm Andy Wood. Hey, Andy. I uh, didn't. You just jumped right in. You yep. didn't let me introduce you. Yeah. No faith. Hey, hey. No faith in me. <laughs> Don't forget about me. <laughs> hey, I'm here too. Uh, we got Matt Kirschen, of course, but he's going to be a few minutes late because he's doing big Hollywood stuff. Mm. Um, big Hollywood stuff. So, uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, we have a we have a guest. We have of a guest. Course. We should discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're joined. We're joined today. Uh, SNL alum, uh, Mad TV alum. I think the only person to do both. No, this there's is... another guy. <sighs> Damn another it. Guy. Our research failed us. I'm sorry, buddy. Ted you Taren were the first, Killam. though, right? That's right, yes. Okay. Oh, Taron Killam was on Mad TV? He was in, yeah. Jeff Richards. Jeff Richards. Thank you so today. much. How's it going, buddy? Thanks for joining I'm good. Us. It's great. Great to be here. Great house. Beautiful backyard. Thanks. Thanks, man. This is just, uh, it's like a it's... Mexican uh, lunch or something. I know, yeah. It's kind of, I think... Andy, when you first Guess moved in... Guess I know. That's not the right word, is it? Uh, That's breakfast. I don't know what the word for lunch is. I think when you first moved in, we discussed turning the patio into a Mexican restaurant set to film a sketch. Yeah, uh, we had a lot of big ideas. We had a lot we of big ideas. Place. Then we just got beaten down by... Beaten the- down. Oh, I got a story for you. Oh, nice. I got a story, because uh, Andy, you were out of town for a minute. Um, so, Jeff, we it's not just Andy and I that live here, all right? We live with two just... It's the worst. We live with two old, just He's old being guys. quiet as if they can hear. What, right, right. So two old guys. Um, one of them lives in the pool house. The other one lives up here in the main house with Andy and I. And he's this, you know, really obese guy that sleep eats. I've been posting pictures of him on the Twitter feed. From, from the Probably Science Twitter feed. From the seems pr- a little risky. From the Probably uh, Science Twitter feed, obviously. If you go over to at Probably Science, you can see, uh, you can see Stu. Um, he just put grated cheese in a bowl and melted it again and just ate it over the trash can. Oh, and he's asleep uh, while he's doing it. Well, he's got a bowl. Why does he have to eat it over the trash can? I don't know. Because he throws away the bowl and the, the, bowl and the, spoon he, and the he throws the good, like not disposable shit, like stuff you should put he in. There's glass in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, so I'm in the living room the other day because I had ordered some food. For, speaking of Mexican food from Tony's, I had ordered some food from up in the corner. Okay. Tony's Mexican Grill. Not a sponsor. Unofficial sponsor. But not a sponsor. But if you're here in L.A., go to Tony's Mexican Grill. It's great. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting in the living room and, uh, and I hear from Stu's room, which is adjacent to it. You know, the door is closed. But I hear just like, ah, and then like. A banging noise, loud banging noise, right? And stuff being sort of sounds like it's being shuffled around, mm-hmm. you know? And I kind of sit there for a second. And then it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like a bed, like a mattress just breaks and like collapses on the floor. And then I just hear like, fuck, fuck, <laughs> like that, right? And I hear more tossing around. And then the sound of something breaking, mm-hmm. you know, like glass breaking or something like here. And I just hear, God damn it. Damn it! And I kind of sit there, and this goes on for about like ten minutes of just various noises <laughs> and shuffling around. Um, this was uh, I don't know. This was Sunday, probably three p.m. Okay. Various shuffling around, and then um, sounds of like stuff sort of falling over, and you know. And I finally I go, "Hey man, is uh, because he keeps going like shit, shit." And I finally go, "Hey man, is everything okay?" And he says this, I swear to God, he goes, yeah, just trying to change this light bulb. (laughs) 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 uh, Amazing. Answering the age old question. uh, Yes. How many stews does it take (laughs) to screw in a light bulb? Definitely more than one. It takes a long time. Uh, So you guys must get a good deal on rent or something, right? I don't even know if it's that. It's just that it's like there's no contract. 
Uh, there's no um, utilities I, are included. I think it's a good deal because I've looked into moving a lot. Yeah, and actually, if you wanted to see them on a space somewhere else, no, not even the same amount of space. It's just you would have to, for what I'm paying, I would have to live in a shit box, right? Um, so it's like, yeah, yeah. I guess the the rent's pretty sweet. I mean, everyone, everyone I tell when people ask what the rent is, and everyone I tell, they all get mad at me. So that's a good indicator. Really? Yeah. Maybe Under should... eight, over eight, over eight. Yeah. But they all get mad. They get like pissed at me. Sure. And tell them, you know. That's weird because when I first moved here, my then girlfriend was trying to talk me out of living here because she was saying that was too much for what I was getting. But I think she just had a rent control place and didn't have like a, a barometer of what real prices are anymore. Because I thought it was a lot. For for I mean for a not uh, for a shared situation. Well, this is the most boring conversation. It's a boring conversation. It's a boring conversation. Um, but yeah, there's a price to be paid. This is a Faustian bargain we struck when we moved in here. Like there is a pool. And that's what we have to keep telling ourselves. Like, there's a pool. That's there's a pool. That's yeah. You have to remind yourself constantly. Um, but how many times did you use the pool this year? Exactly five times a year. Probably. Yeah, not worth it. Not worth it. It's it's you know I feel like a, a a gym membership to a really good gym, plus living in like a nice one bedroom apartment is very equal. You know, or you just you, go use yeah, the pool. You, could use, you just go find another pool. Yeah, go find a pool. Just crash yeah. a pool. You have pool access, Jeff. Uh, I, I I think you can make it pull access. Uh, yeah, Ro- Roosevelt. You can go to the Roosevelt. Yeah. Whoa. Walk in there. Just Jeez, go into any uh, hotel with confidence. Basically. Just brainstorm people that have pools. That's it. You know. No, but it's always us. So we don't have to brainstorm. Yeah. That's what with I'm that saying. Water was real cold this year. What water? The water in the pools. I went once in the pool and it was so cold. They're Wait, not all the all same. Pools what are you are connected to each what other? What are you talking about? Water? Well, going by the one pool I was in. Super cold. So this is it turned how, me off to all pools. <laughs> this is how racism happens. Yeah. You I, the one, one case, you the met one Asian lady, I, the one Asian lady I met, I didn't like her. Didn't like she was shifty. You're right. You're right. You're right. I have to try other dishes, but uh, we we're nothing if not open minded about various kinds of pools on this podcast. We don't judge. Well, we should have was, told you that ahead of time. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm pretty yeah. open minded as far okay. as pools go. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff, what do you, uh, uh, we we like to ask this of all of our guests? Um, you know, little it's little little background info. Do you have any uh any science background whatsoever? No. Okay, I'm including like, res- anything respect in the brevity. Elementary school, junior high, high school. Any Did you classes like any that stand of out as being good or bad? I didn't like the only the only subjects I liked in school was English, um, and public speaking. Did you just say the only subjects you liked in school was English? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. That's weird. <laughs> That's ironic. Well, it doesn't mean I'm good at it. Yeah. It just means I liked it. <laughs> so you liked English and public... Did you have to take public speaking? No, you didn't have to. No. I didn't so that was an elective? Okay. Yeah. No, but I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I did cheat through like several subjects all the way through. I didn't know anything in like chemistry, sure. physics. Cheating in terms of like looking at someone's paper or like what kind Cheating of... Cheating in terms of getting the answers from every test, every homework assignment. How? Yeah. How'd you pull that off? Just pulled it off. I don't know. I just... I could never pull that off. I tried so hard. No, I did. I just sat by the right people. I got the answers. Oh, so you did it old school. Yeah, I got the answers and somebody would take the test and then I would have the test two periods later and then I would get the answers. Because I I think cheating now in school, like kids are so ahead of the technology curve that the teachers are. There's like subreddits for like every type of (laughs) test. Not even like password protected anyhow. I mean... no, it's is just, any of Reddit it's just pr- it's, protected or no, no. But it's like what? How would the teacher find it? Basically? Well, I, well, I just mean you just Google what sort of textbook you have. Well, I mean, hopefully teachers will be the, writing stuff that 
Dude, teachers never write their own fucking tests. If you're not talking like college level or like, like every now and then you would get some shitty little thing the teacher printed off themselves. But but teachers, they're not sitting down like in Photoshop and making cool little graphics for the top of their math test. It's like that's from the book. But right? what they can do to you when they know you're cheating through the whole thing like they did in chemistry. I was in there and uh, it's just like three quarters of the way through the year. He's like, Jeff, can you... Can you balance this? Like the simplest thing. I don't even remember what it was. It's like balance the equation or something, but in chemistry or whatever. And I just, I didn't know how to do it. And I had an A in the class. Oh, wow. You just wanted to show everyone that I was an idiot. So you you over-cheated. I cheated on every single answer you could possibly cheat on. No, but you cheated. You factor in how you should miss a couple to make it look plausible. You cheated giving yourself an A+. It's a bad move. Well, I ended up getting an A+, though, so. So he saw you and didn't even, as a result of that, couldn't even... Take away your grade, even though he saw you couldn't do it. I don't it. think he cared. I, I think, <laughs> he just wanted you to know, save it's you. like you're on your own journey. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to do anything with any of this stuff. Yeah. The only thing I knew I was going to be a performer. So it's like, and I knew this stuff was super frustrating to me, you know, certain subjects. And mm-hmm. so I just made a decision, you know, and I was a little, it was a little nerve wracking because, you know, at any point you could be found out. But so let this be a lesson, kids. If you cheat all through high school, You'll only get cast I didn't on Mad TV on this now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know where you want to go. If you know where you want to go, then just go there. You know why? Well, no, I take had the all same, these side steps. You know? I was the same deal. Like I, uh, I really fucked off a lot in school. I. Um, but yet, you're really inquisitive. You're really. Um, you like to read. You're a sponge for information in general. I think that just didn't. Wasn't I've always part of your been intellectually curious. Way. Yeah. You know, I've always loved learning things, but the way the. Um, and this is going to sound so, you know, the system, man. But like, the wait s- out, Nate, no. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a prison, man. Um, we don't need no education, man. I'll eat dessert first, man. Um, <laughs> no, like, I went to school in the South, and it was a big fucking football school, Southern religious, huge mega complex school. There was no attention given to anything. And the way that this, the, you know, the. The tests that you receive are to check how you're doing for the funding, and it's just the last thing on anyone's mind was actual actual education. It's, right. it's been so long since that was a goal. The goal is just to keep this train machine going. Uh-huh. Even the word machine sounds conspiratorial, but no, I, mean, I get what you're but, saying. But I it's saying. I think every now and then you would get that teacher that like remembers why they do it. Yeah, but most of them were so burned out. It's like your chemistry teacher. Like they didn't give a fuck, man. Yeah. It's just. It's like any other job, like, you know, working in fast food within like a week, every customer's an idiot. Like, they just thought we were all the biggest assholes. <laughs> I mean, we have some teacher listeners, and I'm sure it gets to a point where it's like, fuck. Actually, my brother's a teacher, a math teacher. I should have him on and talk about the experience at some point. Because, like, I never hated my teachers. I don't know. I mean, I guess I was always a nerd, and maybe my own form of rebellion was like, I'm going to do well in school. No, I didn't hate them either. I got where they were coming from. Like, I understood what they were putting up with because I also hated my peers. Right. So I, the same things would annoy me. Like, you know, the same things about all the students would annoy me. So you almost like had more in common with them than... I had way more in common with my teachers. Yeah. And a lot of my teachers would like... Um, I remember the first time a teacher like cussed in front of me, but like just me. <laughs> but it's because, awesome. it's because I was doing so poorly. It was in a, it was in a uh, current affairs class and I would just fuck off and sit there. I wouldn't do any of the homework or anything like that. Um, and he called me up after class one day and he's like, he's like, Jesse... You're so smart. 
what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You just sit there. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but you're was, bored. Yeah. People get bored. 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 Yeah. Everything interests everybody. And was, yeah. was his chair turned around backwards when he was sitting on it? No, no, he wasn't doing a jam session. He didn't turn his hat around backwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesse, come here. Let's rap for a minute. Let's rap, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Jeff, you didn't love school, but you knew you wanted to be a performer. So, like, what did you do right after you left? Well, I, in, in high school, I did a public access show where I, I would host it and then do sketches and have certain teachers on, the ones I liked. That's awesome. And, um, was it actual public access or was it like public school a- real, public access? Real public access. So, uh, so okay, all right. So pedophile sitting at home watching. That's right. That's okay. right. Uh, and then um, after that, I did a little radio in college. I went to junior college, and then uh, then I transferred to college in North Carolina. I went to Where? Chapel Hill. Oh yeah, Tar Heels. And then uh, and then when I was there, I did a little sketch. That's the school name. I'm not being awful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, that's the. You, Wait, is that like a racist thing or something? I think so. Really? Yeah, I think that's like the college version of the Redskins debate. Oh. It's I like didn't the Tar Heels are constantly coming under fire. It involves slavery somehow. Or is it like Br'er Rabbit stuff? Or, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Sorry to our North Carolina listeners. I don't know what that means. Yeah, so then anyway. I just I know I just did that and then I um one of the people in the sketch sketch troupe was uh was we're going to I can't even get my English right. We're, we're going to do he was going to do stand up and so I went with him. Charlie Goodnights? That's right. Done it a lot. You done it a lot, yeah? Yeah, I'm from Nashville. That's where I started. Okay. So I did all those southeast rooms. Yeah, yeah, man. And then the rest is the history. Bug. Is your friend pissed at you now? That guy that you started with? No, he's um, he's not. I don't think. No, he got really big on. He had his own improv school, and oh, okay. now he's got multiple ones. And I think he's in good shape. Oh, okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, that was that was what I did. And then after about a year of doing stand up, emceeing, I moved to L.A. I think I saw you, by the way, about 14 years ago at the Punchline in San Francisco. Before I started doing comedy, I was just going to see a lot of shows. Oh, really? Did you headline the, uh, the Punchline yeah, around then? That yeah, 2000. Then. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was a really funny show. Yeah. Did you do the, the British infomercial character back then? Yeah. Yes, I definitely saw it. Yeah, that was amazing. And sometimes now. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, it's uh, a new bit if anybody sees it now. It's so hard to come up with new. For me, it was always hard to come up with new impressions and characters. So it's like, you know, I think. If you're doing jokes, they come a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. But to come up with a really good one, it takes like, it just takes. By that's the, why I'm doing music now because it's it's just more fun. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned up front that you're doing a lot of really funny music videos, including one you just uploaded that uh, was directed by Andy Dick. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how did you get into music stuff? I always liked it, and uh, I messed around with GarageBand for a while, and then uh, I met a couple different dudes who did beats and made beats that weren't rap. They were like 80s, new wave, electric sure. you know, mm-hmm. sounding stuff. Why do we call it beats? There's so much more to it. It's not just a beat. Yeah, I don't know. It just became vernacular for everything that's not the words, right? Yeah, yeah I hate to say beats because it doesn't no, really... No, no, it's the right, ter- it's the right it's term. The right We've term. all agreed to that. I know, but I don't like that term. But if you were a guy, yeah. like the first guy to literally just make beats probably didn't make it very far. They're like, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. You got a drum kit. Uh, <laughs> the only song that just has a yeah maybe like um, uh, another one bites the dust is like actually you could call that just a beat right kind of right we will rock you I mean we will rock you wait yeah <laughs> that's what I was thinking of yes we another one bites you. the dust is, is a baseline just a beat but there's a, a bas- there's a melody yeah but uh, so actually we we, have, we have a uh, an alum not of our adopted. does he scream that in that song <laughs> you're not adopted yeah is that what he said no you know how okay you you guys another should one know bites what I'm the dust. Another one bites the dust. Hey! And then it does the shakedown with the with yeah. the egg shaker. Shh, shh, shh. 
another one bites the dust. Hey, 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 You know, and then, and then, ooh, come on. And then another one bites dust. Another one bites dust. Hey, hey, another one bites dust. Um, oh, wait. No, it's the, yeah, it's the, hey, bite the dust. I'm not adopted. <laughs> I'm you know, not adopted, he says. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's a random. If it's Something not like that, that, if it's not that, it's one of those like '80s uh, gibberish African, like Mama Say Mama Sa Mama Akusa, or uh, oh, he was big on that. Jumbolite Septimote, hey yeah. Jumbo Jumbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going around back then. There was a lot of it going around when you're wearing like a marching band leader yellow fucking top, yeah. Yeah. dude. I want the Freddy jacket so bad. Oh. I constantly. I don't know if you guys are, if this ever, uh, and we're doing science stories. We are. We are going to do science stories. But I don't know if, I constantly will see something that is very, very clearly, uh, I'm not a loud person in my clothing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I've never been able to pull it off. I've always looked like a dick. People see right through it. I don't. Me at Burning Man, the one day I tried to wear something, I wore a mesh shirt. And everyone's like, that's super questionable, Andy. I'm like, you are a burning man. You are a mesh shirt. I just thought it'd be silly, but but everyone's like, no, you just look super gay. Well, your posture (laughs) doesn't say meth shirt. uh, shirt. Same as my posture doesn't say, you know, uh, penny farthing. Like, I just can't. I would look like an asshole. So... I constantly see something like the uh, like the Freddie Mer- the yellow Freddie Mercury Wembley jacket, and I'm like, I could fucking rock that. And I have ordered so many things online that just never see the light of day. You know, that's what I wear on stage. What? I wear a marching band jacket. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, I saw that in your video yeah. for uh, um, you really did. muscle. I do. Every time I go up there, muscle bitch, you have yeah. the. It's incredible. It's fun. We it's... worked together before, and you didn't. Were well, you I mean, I just started doing the, this. This act of doing the, the songs thing? live are are uh, been doing it for about three months. Hey, Andy. Play yes. a clip. Let's go to a clip. My little donkey. I'm a muscle bitch. I'm a muscle bitch. I'm muscle. I'm a muscle bitch. I'm a muscle bitch. I'm muscle. Dance for mommy. Black your tummy. Hey, that was a great clip. Yeah, yeah. That was muscle bitch. What is a muscle bitch? Jeff, how'd What's that, come, that? How'd that come to you? Uh... Muscle bitch, it just came to me just from the the music. Made me think of that. It just, <laughs> just came out like it, that. And you're like, well, I I'm list- just like a channel. Well, for- I listen. I listen to the music, and if I can come up with a song for it, I do. I don't write the lyrics first. And then uh, this was Muscle Bitch. So the video had uh, Boone Shakalaka from the Comedy Store. Uh, sure. Instead of a female bodybuilder. Um, that's all there is to say. About that's that. all there is to say. That's all there is to say muscle about bitch. it. Muscle bitch. Hmm. By the way, uh, before we get to a science story, we, you are the first guest we've had who's an SNL. Um, we, our original co-host, Brooks Whelan, was on last season, but we still haven't even had him back on to talk about the experience. I'm just curious what the, uh, what, what, what the, feeling, what the experience was like getting, getting the nod from Lorne Michaels. Like what that, what your, what, do you remember what your audition was? Do you remember what the initial reaction yeah, was? Yeah, like, I did... Uh... I did nine impressions, I think it was. I didn't do any for characters. Your, for your audition? Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I was on uh, on Mad TV the year before, or within the same year, actually, and um, they just—I guess my management had tried to get me an audition, didn't tell me, so they were like, "Hey, we got you an audition." I'm like, "You're for SNL?" I go, "Oh, let's wait a little while, though. I'm not really—I don't feel real ready for that right sure. now." And he go, "No, it's the final audition in two weeks." I said, right. "Okay, I'll do that." And that was it. Flew me out there, and I just did those nine impressions on stage. Who did you do? Five if minutes. You remember, I did Kevin Spacey, 
Dustin Hoffman, Louis Anderson, <laughs> David Letterman, uh, Charlie Rose, um, amongst others. Uh, Gary Shandling. Sure. That's awesome. Those were the ones at the time. And then did you get so you got hired as writer performer? Uh, just write, uh, just performer. Okay. Yeah. Well, they if you're a performer, you're also a writer. You're also there. They don't give you credit. Like if you win an Emmy, you don't get anything for that. So really, wow. Yeah, I thought some of them did. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Not true. Okay. But you still, um, I mean, like when you you created like Drunk Girl, as I'm assuming your creation, and not like a writers' room thing, yeah. right? So that becomes like a, a known character and. And a thing that the show's relying on, but that doesn't deserve... But then they write around it. Yeah. I guess that's... Oh, that's true. Someone can write help write for the character once it's established, or... Or do yeah. you always write whatever... If it's if a drunk girl thing, is it always all you're writing? Or like, I have this character, we can all collaborate now on what, what is going to happen with this bit, or... Well, it depends who they assign to it, too. Like, yeah. you know, um, if they say they're going to... If they want you to write one, that means they're probably going to put it on. Right. At least in dress. I mean, in uh, the pre-show. Right. Um, is that a different audience? Appreciate yeah. It. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't really a writer. I'm still really not a writer. I, I don't consider myself a writer. I, I, I can write things, certain things, but mm-hmm. I never feel comfortable just sitting down and writing something on my own. Unless it's like a journal or something. Right, yeah. You're a lover, not a writer. I'm not a writer or yeah. a lover. Well, did you guys know? <clears throat> did you know that? Uh, <laughs> uh, high-pitched... Did, did, did you guys know that a new study in uh, in in Turkey is hinting that um, men with uh, larger guts may be better in bed? Really? Yeah. Better in bed by whose definition? Turkeys. Which uh, you know, some exciting news for my dad. Um, <laughs> this this by the way, this is an article on. This is a new URL for us. This is a site we have not consulted for it's a science a site story. We have yet. not consulted, and I I want to see the I. I want to see the background of that. I want to see where this comes from. This is from yourtango.com. <laughs> Subtitled, uh, Your Best Love Life. So, hardcore science here. Hold on. Let me, the graphic is also Jared Leto from the Mark David Chapman movie when he was let so, me so fat he got the gout. New, it seems like they're citing, they're searching to the study. Yeah. The study out of Turkey concludes that overweight men with obvious bellies last longer in bed than their thinner counterparts. This is researchers at Ursayez University in Kasseray. Mm-hmm. Kasseray? Um, it's a year-long study correlating body mass index, that's uh, your BMI, of course, and male sexual performance. Interesting findings. Men with excess body fat last longer in bed. In fact, heavier men were able to make love for an average of 7.3 minutes, while slender men could count themselves lucky if they held on for a mere 108 seconds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Is that really the average? <laughs> I don't know, I'm not buddy. showing off, but less than two minutes is average? I don't know. Also, it went on to say, you know, uh, men drinking a thermos of gravy could last upwards of 10 minutes. Uh, men that were chain smoking could last 15. Um, <laughs> men the, who sleep eat melted grated cheese could last <laughs> right, over stew, an stew hour. is this Adonis yeah. you know about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just revolving door. Trick. Yeah. Um, the reason, female hormones. Okay. Men with excess fat showed higher levels of the female estradiol sex hormone. Uh, this substance apparently disrupted their body's natural male neurotransmitter chemicals and slowed their progression towards orgasm. Uh, ironically, the less masculine their bodies appeared, the better lovers they proved to be. Again, better. Being I know. Well, better because term, they just they're they just saying it takes longer. They couldn't have an orgasm because they're so fat. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. Is they're their, their blood pressure is extremely high. 
I would think but better would imply like um, more, more, more like better selfless, is, conscientious, tender. Right. Well, loving, be- better skills. is sort of up to your partner. Right. Not yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I made it an hour. The best. <laughs> yeah. It's like you were asleep for 45 minutes. Of that. <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, the scientists compared the BMI and sexual performance of over 100 men who were being treated for sexual dysfunction with 100 other males who lasted longer during sex. They found that men suffering from premature ejaculation were on the whole thinner and fitter than their better endowed brethren. Quote, unquote. Uh, using the researcher's logic, you might think that American men living in what the WHO has identified as the world's third fattest country. We're third, third. now. Okay. I thought we were second now. Me too. Nice. Um... All right. We're going to be out of that top three soon. Oh, yeah. I can feel it. We, can we feel still it. do have an ex- estimated 66.7% of the population living well over the line. And in theory, you'd think we would be the world's most exquisite lovers. Unfortunately, the study does not take a stand on this issue, nor is there any scientific or anecdotal evidence to suggest that that's true. Um, a survey of 15,000 women from 20 countries on the subject. Americans showed up fifth from the bottom for being too rough. Aww. Spaniards, Brazilians, and Italians took top on <laughs> Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> but Spaniards, as, Brazilians, and Italians. But as Benjamin Disraeli, it's really his name. He's not Benjamin the Israeli. Yeah. Um, uh, as Benjamin Disraeli supposedly said, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. This is not to deny that when it comes to overweight lovers, uh, there may also be an issue of quality versus quantity involved, not to mention aesthetic and cardiological ash, um, issues, but why spoil a good story? For now, make sure your next love blank, uh, banquet includes plenty of chips and beer, bratwurst and pecan pies. Nowadays, when it comes to sex, fat is the new thin. Why did they have to editorialize that so much at the end? Well, this is Salon. That, we moved over from your tango that to Salon. Neither one was... But even that has the link to the original study, which is yeah. all numbers and graphs. Yeah, but um, again, it's like, it, to make a popular science article you have to go from yeah. taking a longer time to the quantitative qualitative better you know that's otherwise there's no story but uh, I, I doubt there's a lot of people on the receiving end of this better sex who are like yeah. mm, that was some way better sex yeah i mean it's certainly limited positions i mean well right right the original title of the article, Insight on Pathogenesis of Lifelong Premature Ejaculation, Inverse Relationship Between Lifelong Premature Ejaculation and Obesity, which sounds much more boring. Or, Sex Researchers, Size Does Matter, <laughs> right. yeah, is what the Salon article Size comes Size Does Matter. Um, we have a bunch of stories. This is from Thomas Hatfield, by the way. from, from Thomas Hatfield. No, no, no relation. Agenda. Uh, oh, oh, well, I'm not going to speculate on Thomas Hatfield's BMI. Well, let me, if that's what let you're... me, if I, you know, and I don't mean to, uh, you know, Andy, you're a thin guy. I don't know if real, I'm thin. Real but... thin guy. But obviously, uh, as someone that lives with you, you know, we live in a <laughs> oh, no. house. No, I'm saying sometimes we have acoustics here. <laughs> what I'm saying is you go over the, you obviously beat the 108 second. I wish you didn't know that. I, that's uh, terrifying to me. So we <laughs> I knew that you knew that, but I don't. And you know uh, my, and everyone, we know each other's podcast. stuff. You know, uh, that's fine. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard anything you've done. I, I'm d- not outside. I don't smoke, so I'm not in the backyard at night. So. You're not out in the backyard. Dude, I have, there have been situations when I've uh, finished coitus, post-coitus, and, um, and I'm not some, you know, sleaze. Uh, there have been situations, but yeah, I, had a, I was in a, a relationship for a very long time, and I, I um, there would be situations where afterwards, um, you know, I would go down into the kitchen to grab, you know, <laughs> grab a bottle of water, you okay. know, or something, and uh, electrolytes of some uh, sort, yeah, electrolytes, Gatorade, <laughs> anything, and uh, Stu and Brendan would both be just leaning sort of against the counter, like, and they would immediately just start talking. Oh no, I'm like, you perverted old fucks! Why do you have to like hang out? Uh, you know, well, you got to take what you can get. Uh, yeah, it's. 
I mean, are you you just girl walks by you and you take a nice deep breath of what for beauty? (laughs) (laughs) Just inhale her essence. Multiple migs over here. Steal her soul. (laughs) Multiple migs. I just had an exhale. Multiple migs. Multiple migs. He hissed at you. What do you say? He said that he could smell my gun, doctor. He said he could. He said Remember he, Jody Foster? Yeah. He yeah. said he's doctor. He said he could smell my cunt. <laughs> Shit. He goes. And then he goes. I, however. He goes. I want to do it. He goes. I myself cannot. <laughs> Quick pro quo, but not about yourself, about this case. <laughs> he said he could smell my cunt. <laughs> Shit. He smell my cunt, doctor. It's turning into like some mm. like gun-toting Yosemite Sam kind of southern. He said he smell my Doctor Lecter. He said he can smell my kid. Uh, <laughs> I thought we turned the tables on you, Doctor. Uh, cut, Jody. No, you got to tone it down. It's supposed to be like a scary scene. Jody, we don't know what kind of accent you're doing. <laughs> he said he can smell my kid. No, Jody. Smell my kid, Doctor. <laughs> Jody, we've been here for eight hours. Everyone's very tired. It's just one line, Jody. And by the way, Jody, we can smell your cunt. (laughs) So you might want to clean up. This is easily, that's the most number of times that word has been said in the entire podcast's previous history. Up to this so? episode, I think it's pro- probably true. Probably I don't true. think so. I think the Brendan Burns episode we really hammered at home a lot. <laughs> I forgot about that. There was a lot of talk about the, uh, babies. That no, was, that's yeah. that's. Um, I saw that movie. I saw Silence of the Lambs um, too young to not think that was the funniest scene that's ever happened. Like, I didn't get how just terrifying, and I'm like, because I was, you know, I was in middle school when I saw it. I was 12 or 13 or something, so then the whole thing was like, it was like, um, you know, to me it was like a Monty Python movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And then as she's walking back, just, ugh, brutal, brutal. Multiple migs. Um, Nobody ever talks about the... uh the guy that was in charge of like the jail, remember that guy? Like, he's in charge of like. Yeah, he's been in all those movies. Remember that guy? And yeah. I always, they always, I think they put him a lot of close-ups of him was just to just kind of throw you off a little bit because he was real creepy too. Oh, super creepy guy. Listen, Agent Starling, I, I want you to work on this real quick. You know, remember that guy? <laughs> it's not even close to that. Wasn't that. the that wasn't the that was the head FBI guy though. Remember, he had like it felt like he had Vaseline on his face. Not the head FBI. guy. Oh, yeah, the FBI guy. Yeah, That's who you were just doing. That's right. Yeah. Dr. Cheatham but then was, the, uh, the, was the guy at the jail. See, yeah, now I'm starting to confuse, because uh, is it Ted Levine who played yeah. Buffalo Bill? Because then he was like a guard in uh, Shutter Island. Yeah. I'm hearing his voice as the... Yeah, I, can't, I can't picture it. Was she a great big fat one. person? <laughs> wait, wait, was she... <laughs> a favorite line in any movie yeah. ever. The most ridiculous when, when Was she, she a great big fat person? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh... Oh, then he goes, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) How would he have even created that character? That voice is so not what you would ever create when you're coming up with a psychopath. (laughs) He goes in for his audition. He probably just had a cold. Perfect. Kevin Farley does a funny bit about how, like, he just, Ted Levine just, you know, he probably just made it up, tucking his dick in his, under himself. (laughs) He's like, I thought we could do something like this. (laughs) 
Well, I, you know, you could tell her to put the lotion in the basket. If she doesn't do it, you know, she gets the, the hose again. I, mean, I don't think it'd be great for the movie. <laughs> I don't think it was all like going off book and just created yeah, that stuff in the movie. I'd love moment. to think that multiple mixes line was off book and they just had to keep it in the movie because it was so creepy. <laughs> like Jodie Foster, that's why they designed the face mask. For, it's because everyone got smell it on set. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Jodie Foster had the smelliest vagina. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I, my cell has to be glass. I'm not dealing with that smell. I'm not dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Super sciency. By the way, that story came in from yeah from um, Thomas Hatfield. No relation to last week's guest, Chris Hatfield, of course. And uh, we were so happy to have him. That was that, the, that was so much fun. Yeah, that was. I'm still um, sort of starstruck from. Was our, we had our first astronaut on last week. Oh wow, Chris Hatfield, who did all the um, videos from the International Space Station. He did the cover of David Bowie's Space Oddity that yeah. he actually shot up there. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty exciting. I like how you say that. We had we had, we had our first astronaut in a series of astronauts that will be coming. <laughs> There'll on. be many more well, astronauts. It's, it's to like come. Uh, Shark Week. We're gonna do like Space Week <laughs> type thing. Um, you know, one thing they do in space all the time. What do they do in space, Jesse? They're always looking down at the Earth. I mean, that's when we condescendingly look at those. No, I mean that's okay. when we got the first truly accurate maps of the Earth. Uh-huh. Obviously, was from from space and from from travel and things like that. <clears throat> Uh, but sometimes there's things they can't even see, can't even see from space. For instance, uh, did, you guys, did you guys know that, uh, <laughs> that deep in the Cambodian jungle lies the remains of a vast medieval city, which was hidden for centuries? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Lasers, my friend, have revealed a lost city. New archaeological techniques are now revealing its secrets, including an elaborate network of temples and boulevards and very sophisticated engineering. Mm. So, uh, in April 1858... Let's backtrack a little. 1858, a young French explorer, Henry Mauhat, Mouhat, mm-hmm. uh, he sailed from London to Southeast Asia. For the next three years, he traveled widely, discovering exotic jungle insects that still bear his name. Obviously, the, the, the Mouhat, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. We all know it well. Yeah. Um, today, he would all but be forgotten were it not for his journal, published in 1863, uh, two years after he died of fever in Laos. Uh, and this one, he was just 35. Now, his account captured the public imagination, because, uh, but not because of the Beatles and Spiders. They were gripped by his vivid descriptions of vast temples consumed by the jungle. And he introduced the world to the lost medieval city of Angkor in Cambodia and its romantic, awe-inspiring splendor. Um, his descriptions firmly established in popular culture, sort of the swashbuckling explorers finding forgotten temples, your Indiana Jones, whatnot. Um, and today, Cambodia is famous for these buildings, um, the largest being Angkor Wat, Constructed around 1150, and it remains the biggest religious complex on Earth, covering an area Whoa. four times larger than Vatican City. Jesus. Wow. It attracts two million tourists a year and takes pride of place on Cambodia's flag. Um, but back then, it was virtually unheard of beyond local monks and villagers, and the notion of this great temple was once surrounded by a city of nearly a million people was entirely unknown. So it took over a century of grueling archaeological fieldwork to fill in the map, and the lost city slowly began to reappear street by street, but even then, significant blanks remained. Until now. Um, I feel good. Charlie Murphy is. <laughs> he thought he had it all. He's archaeological. I feel good. So then last year, archaeologists announced a series of new discoveries and an even older city hidden deep in the jungle beyond. An international team. Cities inside cities, man. I'm telling you, there are forces at work here. <laughs> cities inside cities, man. Um. An international I can team. smell your cunt. <laughs> you can smell my cunt? 
Uh, interesting. The tables have turned. Cut, guys. We the lines. You guys mix the lines up again, guys. You two mix the lines. Yeah, but I I, I can actually smell again. <laughs> no, Jody, have you seen a man naked? Have you ever seen a man? Yes, doctor. <laughs> no, I'm not the doctor. I'm the directing this. I'm directing this I film. Know. Have you, Jody? Have you seen a naked man? Because he, we have different anatomically. Anthony, Anthony, come back. Has anybody on this set ever actually seen a woman's genitals? Has, does anybody know what this word even means? <laughs> I'm coming in here directing this film, and yes. I feel like none of you guys have seen a naked woman. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's like a term for a, a fruit or some kind of dish or something? Because it's, it's not. People, men can't have this thing. It's not. <laughs> Mr. Hasling, Mr. Hasling, I can hear your titties. <laughs> no, jo- that's not a thing, Jody. Jody, <laughs> Let's take it back to one. Back to one, guys. So an international team led by the University Did she have great big loud tits? <laughs> <laughs> so an international team led by the University of Sydney's Dr. Damien Evans had mapped 370 square kilometers around Angkor in unprecedented detail. No mean feat given the density of the jungle and the prevalence of landmines from Cambodia's civil war. Yet the entire survey took less than two weeks. Their secret? Hmm? Laser beams? Hmm? Lasers? Yes, LIDAR. A sophisticated remote sensing technology that is revolutionizing archaeology, especially in the tropics. It's mounted on a helicopter crisscrossing the countryside. The team's LIDAR device fired a million laser beams every four seconds through the jungle canopy, recording minute variations in the ground service topography. Their findings were staggering. Uh, they found undocumented cityscapes etched, to the, uh, etched on the forest floor, but with temples, highways, and elaborate waterways spreading across the landscape. It's a pretty cool. This this article will link to it over on probablyscience.com. Yeah. And there's a great comparison of like just a regular photograph from the air and what this laser reveals underneath all the foliage, and it looks almost like a uh, like, an, like an X-ray. It's sort of a black and white image, but you can clearly see all these additional roads all around that main city you couldn't make out in any way through the main aerial photograph. Over thirteen thousand perfectly preserved cunts. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, the cunt people now. Yes, cunt. Mm. <laughs> uh, all right, people. So that's, um, yeah. You know, it didn't get too into the science of LIDAR on that. It was more, that was more historical, I, guess, I think. Uh, archaeology is a science as archaeology well. Archaeology is certainly a science. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea that that was so big, so much bigger than the Vatican. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. Isn't the Vatican its own country? I mean, that doesn't mean it has to be that big. It's tiny, but it's, I mean, it's big for... Well, it's small for a country, b- big for a building slash city, I think. Big, big for a loaf of bread. <laughs> it's uh, it's multiple. Smaller than the world. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, everybody. Always the weirdest guest we've ever had on. Yes, doctor. Uh, always um, the worst 20 questions player. In the he's world. the worst. It's between uh, the size qu- of a loaf of bread and the um, earth. Anthony, if we could ask, because uh, we always like to ask our guests this. Obviously, we, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here with, with Jeff Richards, and then Anthony has popped in and joined mm-hmm. us. Um, Anthony, do you have a science background at all? Did you start? Wait. Yes. Yes, why not? I studied topography of the earliest kind. I studied my own boner <laughs> rising sure. above the ashes of my skinny flap. Sure, Anthony. Sure. My balls. My balls. <laughs> Your yes, balls I, were set on fire? <laughs> my balls were set on fire. Or maybe it was just a optical illusion as they are orange. <laughs> I'm a ginger. I'm a ginger. You seem to have. You seem to be on drugs of some kind. I, yes, I, mood stabilizers. Mm. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. You were so you were coming to plug your new film, Anthony. Yes. What's it about? Tell us about. Yes. It. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have a clip from that. I uh, liked how you said yes, though. I said, yes. Yes. Like if somebody goes, would you like some delicious chocolate? Yes. <laughs> yes, just, just a small, small square worth. Squareworth. <laughs> SpongeBob Squareworth. Okay. Um, Goodness. We have gotten a lot of, uh, t- like, probably about 30 or 40 back t- a backlog of that many articles sent in by listeners, which we appreciate. You can do that. You can email probablyscience at gmail.com or yeah, tweet at probablyscience. Hey, what um, else can you do with, with our... If you want to donate and help us uh, just cover our meager but non-zero costs. Meager but non-zero. We would love it. So please go to probablyscience.com and click on donate. And we've had a, a number of people do that yeah, in yeah. recent weeks. Some some people who were at the live show and others who just want to support in general. Um, we had a very generous donation from uh, a listener from the Netherlands who yes. donated with a challenge. He wants yeah. us to pronounce his surname on the air, but then he gives us a he phonetic us, pronunciation guide to it. So phonetic. I think I can handle it. Uh, go I for it. I think it's Rijkaboer. I think it's Jasper Rijkaboer. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Or what it looks like, it sounds like. Rock Thank you very much, Jasper. Thank you, Jasper. Um, and Paula Schaefer, who was at the podcast festival live, the LA Pod Fest, two weeks ago. And um, she also wants to send us some Burt's Bees stuff. I forgot if she works for them or is just an aficionado. But uh, thank you, Paula. I think she's affiliated with them in some way. Oh, okay. So yeah. Is she a beekeeper? Yeah. Do we have beekeeper listeners? Um, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's yes. going to happen, you guys. Um, Michael Gabona donating in Canadian, donating Canadian currency due to, uh, uh, due to us having Colonel Chris Hatfield. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's it for this Jesus, week. guys. <laughs> Step it up. No, thank you guys so much. We really do we appreciate really, it. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, obviously, uh, Colonel Hatfield's book, You Are Here, available on Amazon. Just so came out yesterday. If, yeah. yeah. If you want to buy it. Why don't you click through our Amazon link from probablyscience.com. For anything you're shopping on Amazon anything. for, go to our link first and then shop as normal. The prices stay the same and we get a nice little kickback. So pick up uh, Chris Hadfield's book, You Are Here, or his earlier one, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. Uh, but go through our site first. What do you guys think the um, opposite of an astronaut would be, if you could think of one? Like someone who goes underwater, maybe? Yeah, probably like a, some kind of it's deep like sea scuba diver. diver. Some kind of scuba diver. It's almost diver. like the anti-particle. To, it's like it's the equivalent. It's also sort of zero G, but they're just exactly. the other extreme. Exactly. It's sort of the same thing. And yet n- neither one. Opposite. Neither one can breathe. Neither one naturally can breathe. in that environment. You can't breathe. No, you'd probably you can't breathe water. Right? No, you can't breathe no, water. That's ridiculous. You need impossible. gills or some impossible. sort of some sort of crazy ass future thing that no one has come close to. Figuring no one's come close to that. Possible. Did, 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 did you guys know that the uh, the Aquaman crystal? Could let divers breathe underwater? The Aquaman... Okay, this is the loudest helicopter we've ever had. This is directly over Surely this is audible. This is getting picked up on the mics. Let's hold for helicopter for one second. Hold for helicopter. Hold, hold for, hel- for chopper. Caris. Do you hear the yes, helicopters? Yes. <laughs> That's probably good enough. Wanted to get out. Wanted to get anyway. I don't get all the way to the F-B-I. <laughs> <laughs> Great memory on that. Okay, so the Aquaman crystal could let You're divers. A <laughs> You're a rube, well scrubbed rube. <laughs> Did you guys just watch this this morning? No. How do you remember you all of this? You can't get rid of the. the you can't get rid of Silence of the Lambs, man. They just stay in you forever. Yeah, I've seen it two or three times, but I really don't have this kind I've of recall. I've seen it like fifty times. Yeah, when I was like twelve. Yeah, same as you. Yeah, yeah I saw it so me. much, man. What do you think of prequels and sequels? I think. Uh, 
you know, I loved Manhunter, that original Manhunter. Never saw Manhunter. The 80s Manhunter. Michael, I mean, the Brian Cox. Yeah, one. pretty great. Pretty great. Um, I thought uh, I thought Hannibal was a huge piece of shit. I think I saw that one. Is that Ray Liotta eating his own brain? Spoiler. Yeah, yeah it contains that, but it's also, uh, they turn Clarice into like an action star. Like it opens with like Fast and Furious type uh. shit. You know? Um... And, uh, you know, and I thought Julianne Moore did great with the script she was given. It's just they turned it into a Michael Bay fucking movie, you know? Was it actually a Michael Bay movie? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it's someone you'd think would have been awesome. It was... Uh, Steven Spielberg. No, it was, it was like, like... Tony Scott or somebody? Tony Hawk? Tony Hawk? No. Tony Hawk Scott? Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. It was Ridley okay. Scott. It was actually Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott directed Hannibal. So, so you think, you know, going to be awesome. But he's had some clunkers, you know. Oh, yeah. He's not flawless at all. Uh, no, he's not the best prequel, sequel guy in the world. Um, and then I thought, uh, you know, I thought Red Dragon, pretty good. Do you see? Do you see? Um, <laughs> Can you see? I can't see. No. Can you oh, see what oh, I see? Okay. Can you see what I see? Um, that okay, was one it- of the, like, how many movies has <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman been just um, gagged and tied in? <sighs> It's like a lot. Are there really? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think of any. There's like a lot of movies where he just has a ball gag in for some reason. Uh, <laughs> like he's got a great like struggling face. Like, part of the contract. Yeah. Part of the contract. Bro. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he has a really good like struggling through like a bandana. Like, mm-hmm. You know, he's got a good hogtied face. It's perfect for hogtying. Yeah. Um, to be tied. But okay. guys, <clears throat> you know when you're hogtied, you can't breathe that you well. You can't breathe. You can't yeah, breathe. No. But you probably could if you're underwater with an Aquaman with crystal. With a magical Aquaman crystal. Uh, scientists have created a crystalline material that can pull the oxygen out of a room with just a spoonful of of the room. Of, wait, of water? What is this writing? <laughs> it's basically... It's, it's, scuba diving is great fun until your tank starts running out of oxygen. But what if you could gather just, uh, just gather the oxygen from the water that's all around you in a dive? Uh, new material synthesized by researchers in the lab could do just that. Um, what some have dubbed the Aquaman crystal offers tantalizing promise for those tethered to bulky equipment. It could be a valuable thing for lung patients who must today carry heavy oxygen tanks with them, um, but it also divers may one day be able to, to leave oxygen tanks at home and instead, instead get oxygen from this material as it filters and concentrates oxygen from surrounding air or water. Wow. Uh, a few grains so contain... Gills. We're making gills. Sort of, yeah. A few grains contain enough oxygen for one breath, and as the material can absorb oxygen from the water around the diver and supply the diver with it, they would not need to bring more than those few grains. Um, it uses the element cobalt bound in an organic molecule, and cobalt gives the new material precisely the molecular and, electro- and electronic structure that enables it to absorb oxygen from its surroundings. Um, small amounts of metals are necessary for the absorption of oxygen, so actually it's not entirely surprising to see that effect in this new material. And um, the material, like a sponge, can absorb oxygen and then release it many times over. And once the oxygen is absorbed, it can be released with a small amount of heat or by exposing it to low oxygen pressure, like a vacuum. So uh, researchers are investigating whether the oxygen release could be triggered by light. And um, when it's saturated with oxygen, it can be compared to an oxygen tank containing pure oxygen under pressure. The difference is that material can hold three times as much oxygen. Hmm. So pretty awesome. I, That's a great find. I've always been. Did you guys ever uh, have you ever tried scuba diving in like a class or anything or in any form? No. Here's the deal: is I can't pop my ears. Oh no, I really can't. Did you, you have a lot can't. of ear infections as a kid? Fuck yeah, I did. Ugh. Yeah, I had uh, tubes put in my ears, all kinds of shit. Well, yeah, those. Per- Do you still have tubes in your ears then? Uh, yeah. Wow. And and I had a uh, terrible, but I had terrible sinus shit when I was a kid. 
So uh, I cannot pop my ears. Um, so have you even been to the bottom of like a 12-foot pool, or is that excruciating? That's excruciating. Going to the bottom of our pool feels like my head's going to blow up. Wow. It's excruciating, dude. Um, it sucks. Also, like, sometimes, like, weird stuff will happen. Just Maybe this happens to everyone, but, like, I'll yawn and then just sort of go deaf in one ear. Wait, who's that out? happens to me sometimes. That happens to people. Sort of, yeah. Who's Al Yon? Um, Al Yon. He, he, uh, he ran for vice president, um, which is weird because he's the only person to ever just run for vice president. He campaigned the whole time just on his own. It's like, I want to be vice president. <laughs> Listen, all people, I want to be is vice president. And people are like, you can't do that. You have to run for president. Then they announce... And he's like, no, I'm running for vice president. Every speech, he's talking through a yard. He's like, oh, I don't want this country. Um, I don't want be. Oh, take it every... But, oh, is, that a, is that a disorder, perpetually yawning? Because people would hate you. Oh, They would think you're so... Just the worst. Even I that Tim and Eric spend... billboard on Sunset? No. The bedtime stories thing they got coming out? The no. show on Comedy Central? They're both yawning in it. And I, I walk by it, and I started yawning. I yawn, you know... It's contagious. It's impossible contagious. not to. Yeah. It's yeah. contagious. I there was uh, that Xbox thing happened to me. Uh, the, I don't know what the Xbox thing is. Well, we've talked about it in here before. The um, the thing where you, they had that commercial with the Breaking Bad kid, where it goes uh, oh, Xbox okay. on, and it turns on. And your it turns Xbox. on everyone's Xbox. So I don't have an Xbox, but I did hear a. Um, there was a commercial where someone was like talking to their phone. It was like a Samsung commercial, and they go, "Okay, Google." And then my phone just like, what do you like? What do you oh, want? No way! Yeah, that's amazing. Just from me watching it, that's um, that's that's a bit annoying. Why um, are yawns contagious? I don't. I, I think we've tr- we've covered stories on this that try to explain it. I don't think there is a consensus about it, though. I'm pretty sure there is. The jury's still out it's because they're napping. It's what they're doing. That's right. What they're doing out there. Once they start to study, they just like the chain reaction of mm-hmm. yawning. They can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but so no, Jeff, have you ever uh, scuba dived or snorkeled or anything? No, I've snorkeled. Yeah. Uh, What's the difference? Snorkeling is just the the mask and the little oh scuba diving. You're in full gear. You go in there. Yeah, I never wanted to do scuba diving. One of my friends died scuba diving when I was in high school. Oh God, what? Yeah, what happened? He just got the bends. He went up too quick. No, coming back. Yeah, you know someone who died of the bends? Yeah. Wow, I didn't and think the, that it ever. Uh, wow. Yeah, and I'm just so stupid and clunky, and like I, I would I would just die doing it. Probably that's why I don't get a motorcycle or a scooter or anything. It's just like. I can handle it skill wise. I can pass the test to ride it, but why take that risk in your leisure? Time? Why? And it's like it's just one guy on this phone texting, and you get hit by a car. Forget it. There's a uh, a lot of movies. I say a lot of movies. Really, it's like three movies probably, where something's going down on a sea lab, and when they finally escape, they have to swim to the surface. Yeah, oh. and they never do the. The th- they never oh. take into account recalibration at like different levels. Just everyone would die, but it just, you know, it'd be some amazing, like you know, like the Abyss or something. You're like, this is an amazing fucking movie, and then it just kills everything for me immediately because they would Cause all they just... swim up from where they are. But they they're swimming up like half a mile and just straight swimming and like, which you could do if. <sighs> I mean, I obviously, guess, if you're a badass enough, you could do if, it if you're a badass you, you enough. You have to obviously constantly be exhaling as it's going to be expanding in your lungs the whole time, but then that wouldn't stop ex- the expansion in your vein, in your circulatory system. That's, that's, that's what's terrifying, actually going to Terrifying, man. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. Um, this story, I was at home back in Michigan in, in the house I grew up in when I was reading this, and I remembered that I, I was surprised at how simple scuba gear is, and it's a thing I learned from this book 
that I was like, I wonder if I still have this up in my room. This is my favorite book, and I realized it might be the kind of the thing that got me so into oh, science, the way things work by yeah. David McCauley. Yeah, that book's at my uh, my. Grow, grow up house I did a little googling there's a newer edition that came out in the 90s but this uh, it covers everything from yeah scuba tanks work to um, to computers to holograms to hovercrafts parking meters parachutes um, and yeah the, the scuba dive a regulator on a scuba tank is pretty ingenious like it, it's very simple and just a mechanical thing that just has this valve that only expands once you inhale hard enough to uh, make this little bladder move right enough to let in oxygen and then there's water on the other side of it so like it automatically reaches the pressure of the water on the other side of it because it just won't go any farther than until it hits that pressure then it like pulls that thing closed again mm-hmm. i'm looking at this as if the listener can see it uh i will take a picture and we can so we're gonna listen on... to some jethro tall yeah an aqualung mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i just thought <laughs> this was a really cool I, I i thought maybe we could um Tell listeners that they haven't checked it out. It's a great thing for kids, and I would say adults. Like I was flipping through it, and it's it's a really well made book with great illustrations on all these devices. And um, now it's recommend- my new goal to try to get this dude. I looked him up, and uh, he's sixty seven years old, and this is kind of what he's most known for. But if anyone knows David McCauley, I want to get this guy on the on the show. Got to get David McCauley on um, the my my children's book recommendation. Uh, speaking in this vein, would be uh, a book called A Little History of the World. Um, one of the one of the best books I've ever read, and uh, certainly certainly uh, got me interested in all that stuff. It's by um, Ernst Gombrich. It was just recently. Ernst it was written in 1935 in Vienna, and just recently um, updated. He updated it. He died very recently, but he updated it and um, translated it to English uh, before dying. And um, yeah, it's like. The whole thing started as correspondence between him and his friend's seven-year-old daughter. They were uh-huh. like pen pals. Okay, now that's a fighter jet. Now there's like people are testing how good our microphones are in our back. I know. <laughs> like, I know. Um, sorry to cut you off. So he's explaining world history, but to a seven-year-old. So it's written okay. really simply, yet very. Uh, just the imagery is great. It's not. It's not all like bullshit on this exact date. Blah blah blah. It's like a story. So it's Finding told some... like a story. It's narrative history. It's really really good. Um, and then pick up the way things work. We'll, we'll link to McCullough. both of those on the site. Uh, you can purchase through Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you might be in a, you know, probably if you're listening to this, probably in some sort of lab or something. We have a lot of scientist listeners. You fair know, number. Like, surprising labs. number. Labs probably working on something cool in a lab. I don't know. It might be kind of cool. Was that a transition or you're just saying huh? people listen in labs? Yeah, people listen in labs. I, I thought you were like signaling into story. No, about no, I mean, no. I, I, you know, you might be listening in a lab. Sure. And if you're listening in a lab, you might be working on stuff. You know, you're working on stuff in your lab. Maybe you got your beakers. Might have your beakers, you know. Maybe you have some some flasks, some Irwin Meyer flasks, some Irwin Erlin or Irwin Meyer wieners, some Urban Meyer. Meyer, You might have an Oscar Meyer flask. You might have an Oscar Meyer flask. Yes. You know what you're probably not working on is a... uh, Fucking lab-grown cock. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, there it goes. Boom. This is, I would say, the most requested story yeah, like 100 people have sent ever in. sent in. Like, yeah, easily sent in the story. And they were like, I'm sure you're already covering this. And like, we are eventually begrudgingly, because how can we not talk about a penis grown in a lab? But uh, if you've ever wanted to grow a penis in a lab, your wish is, is, has almost come true. It's almost come true. It's time. Um, and I guess this has been in, in the works for a while uh, as a technique to help people with... Um, congenital deformities or like battlefield wounds sure man who wants to yeah to get your now these are these are not battle wounds these are only battlefield wounds ones that happen in the field if you're in the navy or air force screwed 
Screwed. We, okay. we will not Just help your dick. in the field. Is that a phrase, battlefield wounds? Why wouldn't it be? I don't understand. Oh, because you think it actually conjures up images, it, it only applies to a field? Yeah, I would say a battle think? wound. But I mean, like, battlefield is like a, ter- is a general... I understand uh, it's a general thing for any theater of war. Any theater. But I, I love that term also. <laughs> theater of war. Theaters for war, you know? Well, yeah. Just like... Still, can we disconnect more from right, the human life? Can we make life? it less of? A <laughs> can we? Can we please disconnect more? He from didn't what's die. Happening? He exited stage left. You just make. Yeah. Yeah. You, you make a film of attacking one country. They make a film of attacking you, and then you switch. Trade. Yeah, it's a theater. Just gonna put on a show like kids who are trying to like keep the orphanage. You know? Yeah, uh, I'm standing here right now in the aftermath of uh, Hiroshima. There is popcorn all over the floor. <laughs> uh, this was really. <laughs> I don't even know. We got sent so many versions. There's soda stains all over the floor here. It's so sticky. It's so sticky. It's so sticky. Uh, <laughs> Which version of the penis story should we go with? We, we were sent numerous links. Numerous links. Uh, you pick it. I'm having link trouble at okay. the moment. So you pick it. I'm going to, you know. How about, we'll go with the BBC one. Let's go with BBC. Oh, no, wait. That's a different penis story someone sent in. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, we have raw story as a possibility. We'll just do that. Sure. Um, yeah, so scientists ready to, are ready to test uh, lab-grown penises on men. Mm-hmm. Researchers at Wake Forest uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Tar Heels, maybe yep. that's not where Demon that Deacons. Are assessing engineered penises for safety, function, and durability. They hope to receive approval from the FDA and to move to human testing within five years. Um, the penises will be grown using a patient's own cells to avoid the high risk of immunological rejection after organ transplantation from another individual. Because I believe there have been penis transplants from cadavers. There have. And I think I remember a story about one of those. Uh, the guy had it transplanted. It was working. His wife was so creeped out. She was like, mm, no, go back and have it taken off. Because uh. she's like, I don't want to sleep with a dead dude's penis. So, yeah, it, it worked out, but it didn't work out because there are psychological implications to having someone else's penis attached to you. Well, it's not like the monkey hand thing. It's like you... It's not cursed. It's not a cursed that, dick. Except the person you're sleeping what with knows that... back on there? His old dick? Well, I mean, I don't think he was just, like, upgrading. <laughs> he did didn't have an keep, option. Did they keep his old no, dick? But she, I don't think, no, he didn't said, have... get rid of it. Yeah, so he went get back to having... Get rid of that new dick. He had no dick then. He went back to having no dick. He had it removed. And he was like, I'll just go without rather than have a dead dude's dick. <sighs> what you'll do for a woman. Right. What? Hold on, though. No so way. afterwards, what? this might not be true. I just remember this as a story that was. Well, a obviously, few they were years using back. some uh, marital aids, which to me is the equivalent the of funniest. theater of war. Theater of war, marital aids. <laughs> marital yeah, aids. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you pull out like a, a, a <laughs> telescoping pointer and like pull down a chart. Like that's what a, mar- <laughs> a marital aid is. It's not just a giant fucking Sibian that you have to like <laughs> like start like it's, a. It's an aid. It's a, it's mar- a minor aid it's a to minor, add to the it's marriage. A, no, it's a marital aid. It's not a lava lamp sized butt plug. It's a marital. <laughs> It's a marital aid. Just a little something to help us along on the path. You know. Um, Professor Anthony Atala, director of Marital aid's like a tax break. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you can write this off because it's an aid to the marriage. Um, Professor Anthony Atala, director of the Institute of Regenerative Regenerative Medicine at um, Wake Forest, oversaw the team's successful engineering of penises for rabbits in 2008. And to to get approval for humans, they need all the safety and quality assurance data they have to show the materials aren't toxic and then spell out the manufacturing process. Um, they would be grown using a patient's own cells. Oh, as I said, I'm sorry, is that right? Uh, for the structure, they wash a donor's a donor penis in a mild detergent to remove all donor cells. So I guess you can start with the cadaver penis, um, but then if you remove all these cells except for the collagen scaffold that's left, then you wouldn't have the, the 
you wouldn't have to be taking immunosuppressants after the transplant because it's just like the skeleton sort of of this donor penis after it's scrubbed of all of its skeleton so to speak but would that still not freak out well no but then what happens after two weeks um a collagen scaffold is left after they wash the donor penis in this detergent Mm -hmm. and on that they seed the patient's cultured cells uh smooth muscle cells first then endothelial cells which we talked about in the previous episode i forgot what the word means but uh you can go back and look it up um those line the blood vessels and because the method uses a patient's own penis-specific cells, um, sure. it would not be suitable for female-to-male sex reassignment surgery. So, sorry, but there is still it's still useful. Um, and their target is, yes, or, organs uh, for patients with injuries or congenital abnormalities. And it's funded by the U.S. Armed Forces Institute of Regenerative Medicine, which makes sense because of battlefield injuries. Um and this doctor began work back in 92 as a pediatric urological surgeon to help children born with genital abnormalities. And because of a lack of available tissue for reconstructive what? surgery, baby boys with ambiguous genitalia are often given a sex change at birth, leading to much psychological anguish in later life. Sure. Imagine being genetically male and living as a woman. It's a firmly devastating problem that we hope to help with. Um, so, it's yeah, it's, that's, it's. That's a job that's like, obviously, someone has to do that job. But it's suspect going into that field. Right. Like, why is that your passion? You know what I mean? Like a lot a, of, a lot of my whole life fields. I've wanted to work with little children's genitals. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good someone's doing it, but like how? It's, yeah, it's like how I'm happy become... someone exists. Obviously, someone has to study it and do it, but it's like... Yeah, yeah it's like, why do you want to work so bad in a mortuary? I mean, you I guess those I mean? kind of things you're probably like, you probably inherit at least, but I doubt this guy's dad was a pediatric pediatric. No, this guy's dad genital. didn't work on kid junk. Right. I think most, most like mortuaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Morticians are probably a family business, but I don't think these kind of specialties are. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a, it's such a specialized passion that is a little like when did, what was his eureka moment in school? Yeah. Like I, what what professor was like and sometimes children have abnormal genitals, you know, and he's he's just oh my god. <laughs> like yeah. it just hits him that he's going to start this clinic. I mean, you know, good on him. I, I, maybe no, they were just sculptors, you know, and they transitioned into that. It is it is interesting that they cite that thing about um, how baby boys with ambiguous genitalia are often given a sex change at birth because uh, there was a thing that we talked about in a psychology class I took in college, this famous case of, um, I think his name is David Raymer. I'm looking it up now. Canadian dude. And um, he was used as an example. Yes, that's his name, David Raymer. Uh, as an example of how nurture is more important than nature for a long time in terms of gender, because uh, he was he was a, uh, he has a twin, an identical twin brother had, um, and uh, during a botched circumcision, his penis was burned off. So they're like, oh, we'll just raise him as a girl, and they just tried to like what? fashion a, you know, because it's like as the scientists who are so uh, so um, <laughs> blunt say, it's easier to uh, make a hole than a pole. So, yeah, they just turn him into a girl, raise him as a girl his whole life, and the initial data on it... Your impression of that conversation is hilarious. Hey, we'll just raise him as a girl. No, exactly. <laughs> that That's the, the crazy most, thing. That's like that, that all science most... can do at this point. Right. Um, and But the funniest thing is, like, in 97, I was taking a college class on, like, emotional psychology or something, and this was still a case they were using as, as an example of how you can successfully reassign someone and just raise them as a girl. And, like, and he lived a happy, full life. And then, like, three years later, it came out that, like, no, he, he didn't live a happy full right. life. As soon as he found out, he was fighting against this the whole time, trying to be a boy, trying to dress like a boy, um, going in to try to get surgeries. At some point, he actually um, found the doctor that did it to him and went in with a gun Whoa. and was going to kill him. 
Uh, he didn't. But yeah, the, light, the guy's life was horrible. And then uh, I remember in the 2000s, I saw him on some talk shows talking about this and how brutal it's been. And um, he wrote a book called As Nature Made Him, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl. And then he ended up uh, committing suicide back in oh, 2004 um, at 38 years old. But it's crazy because like within seven years, it had gone from like, this isn't a textbook of an example of how like, oh, it's not all in our heads. You can just raise someone as a girl and it works out to like seven years later. He's like, no, they just only looked at data early on and didn't interview me the rest of my life. I was just gone because he was it was like a pseudonym. The case was under, but it's a famous case. And then he was like, by the way, I'm a dude. I want to be a dude. I'm really mad about all this. And then, yeah, killed himself. So uh, maybe this t- technique could keep people from like trying to reassign someone's gender out of convenience of which genitalia are easier to build. Sure. But I mean, we did discuss this on the show of some people being born just into the wrong gender, like thus being. But I mean, I would say by default, like maybe just like leave everything alone at birth and like let the kid oh, yeah, figure yeah, stuff yeah, out later yeah, on. No matter what. Birth, as, but, as a rule, it's a pretty safe. But what uh, I'm saying is his frustration also involved uh, resentment. You well, know, of course. But, but what but I'm I mean, saying like, is... If, if he'd been happily a girl, if, if it had gone to plan, then, then they would have successfully raised a girl who wasn't mad about being a girl. But like if he was mad about being a girl, then that shows you can't just raise someone as one gender you can't just guess you can't just make someone a, a gender like there is an, an inherent no, there are innate things there yeah. are there are of course inherited things but it's like just your genitals does i mean i don't know man that seems to me like that that has uh that's just one aspect of many no i'm They're saying just if, like, they, yeah, if they had just, just been like we messed up he's a boy but he doesn't have a penis like his life arguably would have been less traumatic because at least he wouldn't be fighting against all these things like oh, yeah his whole adolescence he's being Brutal. raised as a girl and trying to be a boy but they're like no you're a girl stop trying to do those things you're but like some things aren't just social constructs some things are actually innate to a person you know why don't we talk about this in the parish episode uh, i don't know it would have been interesting yeah yeah i also wanted to ask her about we had um a, a primatologist on who was talking about bonobos which are uh, pr- as equally related to us as chimpanzees are and yet they're matriarchies and how interesting it is, like, we assume, or people point to chimps as an example of, oh, yeah, it's, of course men are in charge, because look, chimps do it this way. So, well, bonobos do it the opposite way, and they're just as related to us. And I wanted to ask her if, it's, if it has to do with anything with, like, size of, like, I wonder if the female bonobos are, they're not bigger and more powerful than males, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in some species of animals, you know, females are actually more physically powerful, too. Others, they aren't, and... How much does that play into it? Well, let's see. Uh, we got to email her that question, man. We'll have her back on. Actually, she was talking about having us come down and do another. Um, yeah, we're going to do more. We're going to do Diego. more stuff with her. You know what uh, reminded me of your last uh, of our last story? Um, there was um, this one. I mean, a, a little follow up, rather, from a story we've done before. But um, Facebook has finally admitted to failing over its emotional manipulation study. Oh, yeah. This is pretty messed up. As you know, Facebook was controlling which stories you see to try to, like, get experiments on what it's going to do to your head. No, I didn't know that. Like, what the emotional reaction will be if they show you certain kinds of stories. Yeah. Look, I've been on Facebook for coming up. I've uh, coming up on a year. Off of it. Off of it. I recommend it to fucking everybody. (laughs) Just get off. Fuck it, man. You don't at all. There's no part of it you miss. No. You don't at all worry that like you're not getting an invitation to some fun party. Who gives a fuck. It's <laughs> oh, like, I know. They, I'm just they would just, I still get invited to parties. People just email me or call me. Anyone I need to talk to, I'm very reachable. Yeah. Like, like you can go to that Facebook fan page thing. It has my email address on it. It's like, hey, email me. Here it is. So, you know, I'm reachable. 
There's Twitter. You know, it's a good point. Oh, I should do it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's no bueno. I'm not doing that LO shit. I'm done, man. I'm done. LO. Nobody's doing LO. Did you see people talking about that? it? was the new social network that was supposed to be more open or what's the difference? I don't know. What happened to it? Uh, it's on? still around. I think you can only do it with an invitation. So it was becoming this like hip thing because you're waiting to get your invitation, but like, an invitation to what? That's Something how everything you care that's about. How it all yeah, started. that's how they make it all. This Facebook started that way. Fake scarcity. Gmail yeah. for a while. Gmail. Spotify. I remember when Gmail was invite only. Yeah, back two thousand three or four, maybe. Yeah. Um. So so Facebook said it will change the way it does research, but stopped short of apologizing for a controversial experiment it conducted this year. Um. In June, the site was criticized for manipulating the news feed of nearly seven hundred thousand users without their consent. The network said it was unprepared for the backlash it received. Uh, we have taken to heart the comments and criticism. It is clear now that there are things we should have done differently, Facebook said. Um, Chief Technology Officer Michael Schroepfer said the company should have considered other non-experimental ways to do the research. Um, so the, the experiment was a part of um, a study by Facebook and two U.S. universities. The social network said at the time um, it was to gauge whether exposure to emotions led people to change their own posting behaviors. However, the company was widely criticized for manipulating material from people's personal lives in order to play with user emotions or make them sad, which is what they did. They just, they just bummed everyone out. Right. Um, but also, like, all of this... I don't really get worked up about this because I feel like by going on Facebook, we all enter into an agreement... That you're used for marketing? Yes. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing. It's, that's, that's, like, what... It blows my mind. Like, I always left all that shit blank. Like, um, you know, when you sign up for Facebook, it was like, music, movies, what's your... Right. Any, any of that shit. Okay, Cupid, any of it. It's all this stuff, but it's like, how do you think these people are fucking making money, dude? That's You know how accurate commercials are now? Right. Like, if you see a Levi's commercial, it, like, knows to be Arcade Fire and the right Instagram filter, <laughs> and it's like... It's because we just fill out free surveys for them. Yeah. And they know the numbers. The flip side of that is if you're on Netflix, do you not want to rate movies so it recommends movies you'll like? It's sort of the same thing. It's like it's useful to have stuff that's actually what you like, isn't it? Like if there's a band coming to town you like and you don't know about it because you forgot to look up their tour schedule, don't you want... But but how they use that information to manipulate you in negative ways, the ways it just benefits them, I mean... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they. it's true. It benefits them. But like ideally, and I'm not trying to take up, it sounds like I'm pro-corporation no, or something. No. But like ideally, it's a win-win we know, thing. No, you are. But yeah. I mean, like honestly, there's been times when I've seen a targeted ad for a band coming to town. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize that band was coming to town. I'm glad I saw that or I would have missed sure, that show. Sure. But you know, that, I feel like that's an outlier, right? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like there is the idea that like consumerism in general is sort of stupid and we spend too much money on frivolous things. But like, when something really cool exists that would be in my wheelhouse, I don't hate being told about it. Of course, but I'm saying that that's an outlier. You're noticing it because we we ignore the ads. Yeah. I guess if you I'm just sit okay and look, with that. Dude, I get targeted ads for me. like like a collapsible shovel, like and it's because I Google weird <laughs> shit. I'm know? always yeah. doing weird. I'm always just doing weird stuff. I like like looking up weird stuff. So my targeted ads are a fucking mess, dude. Hulu thinks I'm a mid 30s Jewish woman. Right. Because I would always do, um, you know, it asks you, like, which ad experience do you prefer every time I go J-Date? And then, and, then, and, then, and then it says, is this relevant to you every time I click yes? Yes, yes so relevant. And then I also do, like, girl stuff, you know, Mary Claire's or whatever, and I'll do You're doing every, all this work time. as if you're, like, sticking it to this man that does not care that they're it's being not, sucked No, to. it's not sticking it to the man. I think J-Date commercials are hilarious. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of them. What do they like? 
they and I, I've tweeted this the other day. They look like anti-Semitic sketches, like parodies. <laughs> like, dude, Jade commercials. It's literally it'll have like a couple, right? This is a real Jade commercial. Okay. I'm not trying to offend any listeners. It'll have a it'll have a, a couple, right? And they're both standing there. They have comically large noses. I don't know where they got these actors. Comically, right? Oh. And they're standing there, and a girl, and the, the guy comes up to the girl, and he talks like Seinfeld. He goes, "You're messing up the matzah," and she's like, she's, and she's, she's going like, five generations of Krugels made this matzah, and we're not using seltzer. You gotta use seltzer." And then, it, and then it's like, J-Date, find your one. And I'm like, is this real? Is this like <laughs> fucking real, or is this like a a, a KKK like? Uh, right. Is this they a- only made that commercial because of you. <laughs> and what you? Yeah, how, it was that specifically in. targeted. So it was stuck in your head you. as being funny. No, what dude, if they shot? Dude, that you remember a lot of that commercial. You guys, all the listeners, I encourage you guys to watch some J Date commercials and pretend they weren't made by J Date, <laughs> and it will blow and your see, mind. See if it makes you want to start writing letters. Like it's that offensive. You think it's like. It's just, it's just like where I don't even know who these actors are. Like, like it's how are they agreeing to this? Yeah. Well, it's all shit that like I thought everyone was supposed to downplay. About yourself, it'd be like if you made like um, I don't know, like they have those other sites like Christian Mingle, yeah, you know, and and those commercials like I don't know whatever the cliches are, you know, it'd be like if two people were just like eating chicken nuggets, like hey man, I, I should love you, like like you want to go see some NASCAR, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> it's like the equivalent stereotypes. I don't know, but they wouldn't make the commercial unless. Those people related to it, unless people, the majority of who they're trying to target, they must have focus grouped it. We're into it, you know what I mean? Sure. So no, I agree, but I'm saying it's. But it's, it's crazy to see. It's crazy. It is to crazy. See. It looks like a sketch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honey, when are you gonna meet a nice Jewish boy? Mother, I'm trying. I just signed up for J date. Like that's like a real. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's. I swear, man. It's the weirdest. Like, I thought it was a joke when I first saw it. I thought, you know, I thought it was a joke. Um, not as not as good a joke as the many hilarious Jeff Richards uh, videos you can find on his YouTube channel, which hey, is I'm looking it up right now. Is it all on the same YouTube channel? Yeah. Is it just YouTube.com slash Jeff Richards? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> but you can go to tastyjeff.com and download the whole album for free. And Jeff, what do you, uh, you get all the videos on tastyjeff.com? Tastyjeff.com, excellent. Yeah. And we will link to a couple of the videos on our site, probablyscience.com. Um, yeah, and we're sorry Matt didn't show up. Yes, Matt was... T- okay, I'm sorry. It's uh, youtube.com slash gladderbladder. It's where you can find Jeff's videos, which are very funny. Check them out. Get the new album. And are you going to be uh, performing around town anytime soon? Any shows you want to plug? Yeah, I'm doing... Um, uh, what's, when will this air? This is up tonight, bro. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... Uh, my whole schedule's on Tasty Jeff. I don't actually remember. Tastyjeff.com. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Jesse, do you have any shows coming up? Yeah, man. Do you want to talk? talk? Can we talk about them? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel good about them. Nah, like, man. No. Nah. Uh, yeah. Uh, LA area competitive erotic fan fiction. Uh, wait, on Sunday you doing it? Uh, or wait, no, I got that dirty birdie storytelling thing. And then competitive erotic fan fiction. So not the 19th? I don't know. Maybe. I'm on the one on the 19th this coming Sunday. Well, maybe we're on there together. At the Virgil, competitive erotic fan fiction? Yeah, at the Virgil. Um, comedy mix in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, that'll be uh, first week of November. Go to bullshitreference.tumblr.com mm. and check out all things Jesse Case. Twitter.com slash Jesse Case. Uh, that's J-E-S-S-E-C-A. 
Hesse. And you can remember the last two letters because it's like uh, my first name. Hesse. You know? <laughs> so it's easy. I don't know what I'm talking about. Andy, what do you have coming up? Buddy? I'm going to uh, the aforementioned competitive erotic fan fiction with a friend of the show, Brian Cook, and possibly you. This coming Sunday, the 19th at 7.30, I'm going to be out in New Mexico for a couple nights with uh, Ryan Singer. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to be at the end of the Mountain Gods on Wednesday. Nice. <laughs> and uh, the Santa Ana Star Casino on Thursday, October 23rd. And I'll put the details for those over at andytwood.com. And uh, again, uh, anybody who is a new listener to the show, please let your friends know about it. And if you can rate us, review us in iTunes, and actually uh, click subscribe in iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes as your default podcast listening tool, because uh, that helps us in the charts. Yeah, that's a really nice thing. Um, Leave a comment. Leave some comments. If you want to write in questions, comments, clarifications, criticisms, you can send an email to probablyscience at gmail.com. Keep your criticisms civil. We have pretty low criticism to compliment ratios. People seem to no, be no, no. I mean, friendly. I'm, I I always love. I'm serious and seriously encourage constructive criticism. Constructive I think we we all want it to be the best show it can be. Yeah. Um. So you know, go for it. And people have been emailing in with suggestions about towns to come visit. And I think uh, yeah, guests to have. High we're, time. We're pumped about it. Yeah, it's high time that we get in the road. So we'll let you know if and when that that comes together. I and think we're going to commit to that. We I mean we don't have dates and shit, but yeah, we're going to throw something together. Why not? Why we'll not? do it. We'll do it for you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jeff Richards, so much for being with us. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye.